Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. We've got a really timely show today. We've got Jill Barnett Kaufman, and she is a MSW. She's a licensed therapist, a divorce coach, author, and co-parenting expert. She actually went through her own difficult divorce, and she's decided to make it her life's mission to help individuals and families navigate the overwhelming process of divorce with less stress, more confidence, and a greater sense of peace. Her book, I'm Getting Divorced, Now What?, is the basis for the transformative Thinking Through Divorce group coaching program. Jill, thank you for being so here with me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Lee. You know, I think that the last 18 months have been so challenging for people, and and I think I know it's added a, a new level of stress to marriage and to parenting, and I don't know whether we, when we come out of this pandemic, we're going to see more divorce or we're going to see more marriage, but I definitely know that it's impacted relationships on all levels. Absolutely. I think more of both. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. You know, I think, though, that, you know, and I, divorce, I think, is probably one of the hardest things that you'll ever go through. And I'm blessed to say that I have not had that experience. But just the thought of it is so overwhelming to me. Yeah, I mean, it is one of the most stressful things that anybody can go through. And I've had people say to me, um, one of my friends who went through divorce after I did, she said she was so sorry she wasn't supportive for me because of me because she didn't realize how tough it was. It's really tough. So did you have kids? I have three adult children. Yes. Cause I think that, that, and I'm not an expert, you are, but I think that the more involved and integrated the lives are, the harder it is. Oh yeah. I mean, if you have children, you're connected to um, their father for the rest of their lives. So, and your life. So um, yeah, it, it makes things very complicated and emotional and stressful for sure. So when you were going through your own divorce, did you find, um, how did you feel? Did you feel like you were all alone? Did you feel? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I felt completely isolated. I didn't have any friends who were going through divorce. Um, I'm, you know, I'm all about my kids, you know, my kids were my priority. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was hurting them, you know, and I couldn't protect them. And I felt a tremendous amount of guilt and fear that, you know, what was I doing to them? And um, just really um, difficult. I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. <laughs> you know, people thought I was sick because I lost two sizes. You know, it was really a horrible time. And is that what kind of prompted you when you got through it on your own? Is that what kind of prompted you to reframe your direction? Yes. Yeah. I decided to work only with people going through divorce um, and to help people not have it as tough as I had it. Because if I had someone guiding me, you know, it's still hard, but at least you can think clearly, you know, that, you know, there are ways that you can do it that make it easier. Um, and so, yeah, I decided that's what my um, mission would be to help others 
not have it that tough. Well, you know, and and I've had very close friends that have gone through divorce and I've seen, you know, how it starts and I am no one to judge. But, you know, the first thing they do is they go hire a, a divorce lawyer yep. and they look for someone that they think will be aggressive and will protect them. Is that a good decision? Yeah, in most cases, no, because um, attorneys have a real important purpose in divorce. But if you the first thing you do is hire an attorney and listen to your attorney, um, you won't be able to get different um ideas and options of how to move through your divorce. Attorneys really want to get their clients their best deal, you know, the best financial deal, the best deal with the parenting situation, um, splitting up the assets, you know, all that they want you to get whatever you deserve and they will fight for it. They don't know what's important to you. They don't know what your ex will agree to and will not agree to. There are so many things that you have to take into consideration when you're going through divorce um, that you shouldn't just listen to an attorney. They're not a financial expert. They're not a parenting expert. You know, they're a legal expert. So you really need other people on your team to help you navigate all of that. And in my case, you know, I knew that my ex was not going to give me what I deserved. So if I wanted to do that, I was going to end up in court and I did not want to end up in court. And even though I didn't get what I could have gotten in maybe in court, I got a very good deal. I'm nine years later. I'm not, I, I do not regret, um, signing that deal. And I, that's what I try to tell people is, um, you know, you have to understand your specific situation and then, uh, make a plan that depends on, on that situation. Well, you know, I think that it sounds, and I'm sitting here saying, absolutely. She's so right. She's so right. But I think, you know, when you're caught in the, the heat of the moment and you're, you've got an ex, whether it's a male or a female or a partner, but you're you're in this reactive state, and I know when I when I get stuck in that reactive state, I don't think clearly, I don't good, make good decisions, I don't execute well. Yeah, I mean you're in a reactive state probably through most of your divorce because there's always things happening that make you, you know, upset and scared and angry. So like, yeah, if you don't have support and help. That's what you're going to do. You're going to react in an angry state. I mean, I had a client just tell me um, she doesn't care, you know, if she could get a better deal without going to court. She's pissed at her ex and she's going to court. And that's all, you know, like and and, you know, that's the state that you're in. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, you think that that's going to make you feel better. And it doesn't. It really doesn't make you feel better. It's not better for you or your children. And um, you really have to think clearly and let some of that anger push it aside and let it go while you kind of think through your plan for your divorce. Well, what I hear you say is you really have to control your emotions. And have you got some tips on how people can do that? Yes. Yeah. Tons of things you can do. I mean, um, there are tons of, you know, practical things like, you know, deep breathing, meditation, yoga, exercise, um, being out in nature, listening to music, you know, there's all these like tangible things that you can do to help deal with your emotions. But it's also um, having 
a clear um, plan of how you get through your divorce so that you're not fearful, so that you're not um, anxious, so that, you know, you know you're going to be okay. Um, if you have someone to help you develop that plan, that helps you control your emotions because you aren't as worried about everything. And, um, you know, the, the, the reactions come from a, a deep place of, of fear. Well, I, I do know that when you're in that reactive state, I'm yeah, I'm not clear. Um, and you don't know what your priorities are. Right. Right. Most people go into divorce having no idea what their priorities are. <laughs> and that's the first thing you really need to figure out. So what's if, the first step in doing that? It would have saved me a, a whole bunch of money if I did if I figured that out in the beginning. So the first step is to really think about what you want your life to be like in a year, in five years from now, not today. Okay. So and that's you know, it's we all like to dream and I love to dream and dreaming to me is easy. The hard part for me is thinking about where do I want to be a year from now and then three years from now and then five years from now. And I mean, it's easy for me to jump on the dream wagon and say, Oh, in five years. Um, but when I do that, I don't feel like that I'm really going to get there. Right. Well, they have to be attainable goals, you know, things that you think that, you know, you can't um, you can't put things on your um, priority list that are just not um, realistic. But, you know, you can put things that are things that you've always wanted. Like a lot of people, when they say what their goal is, they say, I want to be happy. You know, that's not a goal. You know, we all want to be happy. You you want to be living in a certain location or you want to put something in your life. For me, I hadn't for 20 years when I was married, I had hardly went skiing and I loved skiing and I used to love it before I was married. And so I said to myself, I am going to go skiing um, at least a couple times a year. And that's what I wanted Um you know, wanted to add to my life. That was just one thing. But, you know, think about things that make you happy. And that's what you need to put on your, uh, you know, on your priorities. Like, I want to live near my family, or I want to be able to be in a different career, or you know what I'm saying? So tangible things that, um, that can you can really attain. Well, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, because I've worked with um, clients that have been through divorce, and particularly in the last 18 months, they seem like they're, they've lost their sense of play. And, you know, when you ask them, I always, when I, every client, so what'd you do fun over the weekend? Or what'd you do fun this week? And, well, I don't know, you know, nothing. Oh, wait a minute. Do you have a dog? Did you play with the dog? You know, um, but that sense of play is where you get creative and innovative and the lack of play to me is not work. The lack of play is depression. Yeah. And so when you said that about, you know, wanting to ski, I thought, oh, that's the way she plays. That's that's where she goes for play. And I think that is so important to tap into because that's your balance. That's what balances you without that. We all tend to shut down and we're, we lose our ability to be open and to receive, to give and receive. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, a lot of people when they're married, they kind of give up what they really want to do and they forget, you know, they don't remember even how to be happy and what makes them happy. And that's where you have to tap into how you were when you were younger, how you were um, when you were on your own, what did you do that made you happy? I think that's so, so important. You know, it's it's so true because growing up, God bless my mother, we had animals, we had dogs, cats, bunnies, turtles, hamsters, guinea pigs, horses. And so I, I, you know, where my happy spot was always was playing with a dog or a cat or whatever was available. And I noticed today that is still where, you know, I love, I have two dogs, two rescue dogs. I love waking up and having them come greet me. I love driving in. And my husband's like, I think they hear that car of yours like a mile away because they line up, man. They line up by the door. But that gives me such joy. And it's, it's not real sophisticated. (laughs) That's for sure. But it's just being able to tap in, go back, find your happy spot. And where did it start? Because in the last 18 months, I think we have all lost our way at some point during the time. And maybe it's not in your, your marriage. Uh, Maybe it's in your professional relationship or maybe it's, you know, it's in your sense of identity. I met with a client yesterday and she said, you know, I just thought, I always thought for so long, all I want to do is work from home. If I could get a job working from home, it would be so cool. And she said, I'm here because I'm losing my mind. I cannot stand it. Right. And, and, you know, it's like, okay, take a deep breath. You know, I always say, breathe in what you need right now. You need some calmness, breathe in calmness, breathe out what you don't need, breathe out that tension. And I would imagine that you, you you use similar philosophies with your clients. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, thinking what is going to make you happy and knowing what is going to make you happy are two different things. And you really have to know what makes you happy. And I mean, you can try out different things and you can, you know, you don't have to have a plan that is, you know, that isn't flexible, but just that, you know, that you have to have that goal of finding things to put in your life that make you happy is that is really important. Well, you know, I would I would guess that in the beginning for everybody, they're, you know, they're overwhelmed, they're lost, their emotions are running rampant, they, they're kind of in a grieving process, whether you wanted the divorce or not, you're, you, I would think that you would go through the grieving process. Yeah, yeah, everybody does, because you're losing not only the marriage, but the intact family and that, um, you know, that safe place that people have in our society, it's really built upon families and marriage, you know, so you feel like, you know, you're not going to have um, this intact family for the rest of your life. That's a lot of loss right there. And that's a lot of grief. And so you really do have to find a way to either talk about it, write about it, get it out because you don't realize how much um, is in there. And a lot of people turn to anger and focus on the anger instead of the grief and the grief is there. So anger usually masks 
other emotions and that grief and sadness has to come out. And if it doesn't, it's stuck in there. I, I equate it to like a jar with a with a top on. If you if you keep the top on, you know, that emotion is still stuck in you. If you take the top off and let it out, it goes away. So it's really important to get out that um, those feelings, what what you're thinking and how you're experiencing your grief and and loss. And, um, you know, when you're when you go through divorce, nobody's like coming to your house and bringing you like food and and sending cards and saying, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, it's not like, you know, when somebody dies, it's, it's kind of like there's a lot of shame involved. So, you know, you don't get the support that you would normally get with other losses. And so it's really important that you find that support system and, and build that support system and also get out that um, that emotion somehow. Well, how often do you see people in denial? Because that's something that, you know, I see a lot with people with depression and anxiety. They get in that denial. Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, you haven't been to work in three days. You haven't been able to get out of bed. Something's wrong. No, no, I'm okay. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people will jump into another relationship as a way of avoiding that grief. Um, And that I tell people is not the best way to handle it because, again, the, the grief is still there. All the feelings are still there and you're just kind of distracting yourself with some something else and you know what you know dating is is obviously a a fine you know when you're going through divorce or your divorce but um jumping into a serious relationship um is probably not the best idea (laughs) do you see a lot of people do that oh yeah tons yeah is it just is it reactive or is it wanting to replace what they had or is it just wanting to feel whole again? Yeah, I mean, it, it's very lonely going through divorce, you know, and um, especially if you share custody and you don't have your kid like me, I had my kids 50% of the time. And every time, every night your kids aren't in your house with you, that it's it's really devastating. And so you want to have someone there and it's better to in some people's minds, it's better to have someone there than nobody. And what I tell people is it's so important to kind of connect with yourself and really enjoy yourself and like yourself and, and rediscover yourself. So, you know, the time alone is really, really important as you heal through divorce. It's painful and it's hard, but you you need to go through it um, in order to really heal and move forward. I think that being alone, I know for a lot of my clients, it's loneliness is a very scary thing. And I saw so much of that in the pandemic because we were forced to be isolated and they became even more insular and more focused on self and really saw a loss of empathy um, and could understand why. Because your vision, your perspective had changed dramatically. Right. Yeah. I mean, the. the the last 18 months have been so hard for people going through divorce because the things that you would normally do, you know, like events, local events or meetups, um, weren't happening. So that was really, really tough. Now things are starting to happen again, so you can get out and go do things. So, um, I think it's, it's getting better. So do when people were getting divorced, I actually had a client tell me that they weren't going to court that they were going to do it over Zoom. And I could not imagine 
a Zoom meeting being the end of my marriage. Yeah, no, that that's they didn't have. I don't, still don't think a lot of courts have in person court. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's what a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people don't go to court. So, um, I, you know, if you can avoid it, I tell people to avoid it. So going to court isn't necessarily a part of ending the marriage. Um, if you have an uncontested divorce, you don't really need even need to go to court. So why do people go to court to fight it out? <laughs> well, there's lots of reasons. If one of the parties are unreasonable and you can't mediate um, a, an agreement, then you have to take them to court. If um, someone's not doing something that they're supposed to do, um, like paying child support or or following the agreement, you have to go to court. Um, so there are times when you have to, but I think a lot of people, you know, hire an attorney and think you have to file for divorce and you don't have to do that. You can, you can uh, work on agree- an agreement through mediation. Um, I highly recommend mediation if possible. And then you um, come up with the agreement and it's uncontested and you hire an attorney to just kind of write it and put it together and file that. So it's much less expensive and less, um, less time and money that going that route. Well, and I think to me, it just seems so much more peaceful because if you do have children, you know, I've had, I've had clients say, oh, my kids don't know it. They don't, you know, my kids see everything. Oh yeah. They feel everything. They do know it. They know it very well. Yeah, absolutely. Kids know, and they know when the parents are getting along and when they're not, and when there's tension. Um, and, and if you do go to court, you don't make the decisions yourself. A judge makes the decision. So um, you're giving up your control over your divorce if you go to court. So people don't realize that, um, that it's much better to do it yourselves. Well, and it, you know, it makes sense. It really does. But I think sometimes people think, well, I don't know how, you know, I'm overwhelmed by it. Um, and for for someone to think about, you know, oh, I don't need a therapist. I don't need a coach. I think that's such a, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Oh, yeah. I tell people all the time, you're going to save so much money by hiring a coach because you're going to know how to use your divorce attorney, how to use your, you know, um, financial person and what to do going forward and all the different options you have. The coach really, a divorce coach helps someone um, you know, figure out what they want. And so a divorce coach doesn't really tell you what to do. A divorce coach helps you figure out what's best for you. And, um, and that you need somebody like that. And, you know, an an unbiased professional who has experience, who's in your corner. I mean, that's, it's just so much better to have someone and you save so much money doing it that way. Well, and I, and I've seen people turn to their family um, and their friends, and we all have bias. I mean, every single one of us do. But it seems like, you know, you never, number one, I tell every client, you should never use a family member or a friend as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Let them stay in their role. But when they do, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then they feel obligated to listen to the family member because, you know, there's an emotional connection there. Whereas, you know, if you tell your divorce coach, no, I don't want to do that, 
you know, the divorce coach is fine, you know, okay, we'll do something else. We'll figure it out. But, um, it, it just gets really messy when you start involving family and friends and people take sides and people don't talk to people anymore. And it's, it's not, uh, it's not ideal to really use your, the, use that support network as, um, as advice, you know, use them as just someone to be with and spend time with and, and just care about each other, you know? Well, and, and it sounds like that you've put a lot of thought, obviously you've put a lot of thought into the best way to do it because you had to figure it out for yourself. Right. And there's nothing that beats a live experience. Oh, totally. I mean, I couldn't do this if I didn't go through it and make a ton of mistakes and help people, you know, not like make those mistakes. I made them myself. So I know how easy it is to make, make a ton of mistakes and you, you want to have the experience so you understand what the people are going through. Well, sure. you know, and, and in the beginning, you know, all those feelings that you have, how do you kind of, you've got all this negative self-talk going and that's making it worse. And you don't even, you know, those little ants, automatic negative thoughts, they go through so fast and furious. You don't even know they were there. It's just all of a sudden you're grumpy or you're hurt or you're mad. And one of the things I think that and I, I looked at some of your book, you talk about is getting in touch with your feelings in the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely. Um, getting in touch with your feelings, but what you were talking about that negative self-talk, I mean, that people don't realize how many things go on in your head during the day. Like, Oh, I shouldn't have, you know, done that. I'm, I'm such an idiot for, for doing this or, you know, divorce, you feel like such a failure because it's, it's such a public way of not making, you know, your marriage work. Everybody knows about it. So you can't help having those negative um, limiting self-talk. It's, um, it's, it's all over the place when you're going through divorce. So you really have to learn how to replace that negative talk with some positive, um, alternative thoughts. And it's, it's very powerful if you can do it and, and have some mantras that you live by, like, I'm strong. I can do this. I know I'm going to be okay. Um, you know, those kinds of things are really powerful. If you, if you, you know, work at changing that negative talk. Well, I couldn't agree with you more on affirmations. And back in October of 2019, my office was blown away by a tornado. Oh. And as I'm standing there, I go to my office thinking I'm going to, it's going to be fine. You know, I'm going to retrieve everything. As I'm standing there and I can feel my boots are just getting soaking wet with the water in the floor. I found myself, I just started saying, and at first it was very quietly, I will come back bigger and better and stronger. And as the day go on, went on and I sorted through things, by the end of the day, I will come back bigger and better and stronger. And by the end of the week, I actually started to believe it. So I do think that affirmations do definitely have a role to play. When we, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, there's lots more that we can talk about. Letting go of the past, you know, co-parenting with your ex. Ugh. We'll be back after these messages. Have you heard? 
The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors, all quilters just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymis and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break and don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are 1 in 3. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer and most of all, be honest. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. So we're back and the first half of the show we kind of we talked a lot about divorce and the emotional aspect of it and the mistakes that we all make because we're in a reactive mode and we've talked about you know the the challenges, but I think one of the biggest challenges would be the whole co-parenting thing. And to play nicely while you do it. What's your experience with that? So I've seen everything from people who like are still living in the same house and celebrate holidays together to people who can't be in the same, you know, vicinity and hate each other, you know, so it could be anything. And it's really, um, up to the individuals to decide that if they have children, that the children come first. And if the children come first, um, you have to make an effort to get along with their other parent because the child is part of each parent. So the child feels connected to each parent. And if either parent is angry or says negative things about the other parent, the child feels that and internalizes that and really feels bad about themselves. So it's really important, no matter how a person was to you as a a spouse, they can still be a really good a good parent. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't matter. Like the spousal relationship is very, very different than the parent child relationship. And so some people can't be good spouses, but they could be great parents. So you have to give that a chance and you have to support the um, relationship that your child has with the other parent. It's, it's really, really important. 
Well, and kids are so confused and by they they don't understand what divorce is. Not younger kids. They don't understand what the need is, but they see and they hear everything. And I've been amazed what clients have told me that their their kids told them after they actually got a divorce. And they were just like, I, I can't believe if I'd have known that, you know, that my daughter was that aware of what was going on, I would have done it a lot sooner. Right. So, I mean, it, you know, it's all part of the shame and blame game that we yeah. all play. Yeah. And um, a lot of people say to me that, you know, I stayed together for the kids and um, I really didn't want to to do this because I wanted to protect the kids. But they've done studies about um, the well-being of children who are in intact families versus in divorced families. And the children come, come out great in each if the conflict between the parents is low. So if it doesn't matter if a parent if parents are together or apart, if there's conflict, that's going to negatively affect the children. And so when you say you're staying together for the kids, yet you have a terrible relationship and you're fighting all the time, that is not helping your children. You know, I highly recommend couples counseling. Um, There's lots you can do to change the relationship. Um, But, you know, you really want to um, do things to make the marriage better um, but if it doesn't get better and if it's really toxic, um, divorce is probably better for children in, in general. I mean, I'm not saying every specific instance, but mostly. So, you know, the what I've heard you say is you have to set some healthy boundaries. And that can that's not always as easy as we think it is. And part of it, I think, is because we're not really sure what boundaries to set or we don't want to set something that might cut our child off from something. Um, how do you help people with setting boundaries? So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You have to uh, set healthy boundaries. And when, you know, you're going through divorce, it, you're going from a situation where, you know, there aren't boundaries because you're all living together in the same unit. And um, and then you're going to eventually be in separate homes with different rules, different ways of living. And so what happens in between, you know, like when you're still living in the same house and you're, you know, you're, you're going through divorce and you, there's lots of tension and anger. So, you know, you can set up boundaries during that time, like parenting schedules where one parent is with the kids during certain times and the others with the kids during other times. There's, um, there's also co-parenting counseling where you can meet with a professional to help parent together during those transitions and find ways to, um, you know, respect each other. I mean, you know, what do you, where are you sleeping? Are you sleeping in the you know, same bedroom or do you have two separate bedrooms? Are you doing things as a family or eating dinner together as a family? Are you, you know, sharing, um, you know, responsibility? So, Communication is really key, Lee, when you're talking about um, handling, you know, all the family dynamics and you're going through divorce or you're already divorced. It's so important that you communicate with each other, that you listen to each other, that you respect each other and that you work together to come up with a plan. And this involves compromise. And, you know, you may get some things that you want and you may have to give in sometimes. So 
Um, but if you can talk to each other and work out a plan, you can you can do it over email, you can do it over text, you can do it with a professional, but you have to get through those things. So many people avoid talking about things and that's never a good thing to do because it's the problem is still there. Well, when you're avoiding it, is it because you're in that denial? Some people, yeah, some people are in the denial. Some people are scared of conflict and don't want to deal with it. Um, some people just, that's the way they deal with everything. They avoid things, you know? So um, it's really hard when you are dealing with an ex who is avoiding you and doesn't talk about things, doesn't answer your texts, doesn't, um, you know, doesn't recognize that they have to interact with you for the good of the children. Um, you really just have to put everything aside and respond to each other. I mean, if, if one person is being hurtful and disrespectful, you can let them know and say, you know, please don't be disrespectful. Um, that's always a good boundary to set, you know, let's talk to each other respectfully, um, for the good of the children. You know, I would put that in every email. Let's be respectful to each other for the good of the children. <laughs> um, and do you find that most people do do that? Uh, that are respectful to each other? Uh-huh. I think, no, no. A lot of people are not <laughs> respectful to each other while you're going through divorce. It's hard to be, you know, because you're, you're in this kind of, um, you know, you're against each other really as you're, that's how the, the system is set up, that you're not, um, working as a team to get to a solution. You know, you're kind of against adversaries. Um, so most people have a hard time being respectful, but if you are, it is so much better for your children. So what advice do you have for people that have a hard time being respectful other than, you know, just do it? I mean, have you seen, have you seen cases where you kind of could identify and say, well, I understand a challenge, um, or is it just a matter of making up your mind that you have to be respectful? Well, the way I explain it is imagine that your ex or your soon to be ex is your colleague or coworker, um, because you really are now working together as kind of, you know, associates, you know, not, not married people anymore. It doesn't matter if the person you know, approves of what you're doing or has an opinion on like your personal life. It really just matters about the children and getting um, to agreement with that. So if you imagine what you would say to a colleague or a coworker, that's what you should put in the email. That's what you should put in the text. That's what you should say to the person. Really take all the emotion out and use other um outlets to get your emotions out. But when you're communicating, don't put your emotions in there. You know, you, you've got to just put them aside and speak to that person as if, if they were a coworker. Well, you know, and what I hear you say is, you know, and keep it factual, because if you put in there what, what are facts, then people are going to, well, okay, I know what he's talking about. Um, but if you put in things that, that are just hearsay or emotions, then, you know, I've opened the emails before and I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. Did I did I not see this happen or, you know, so I do think making things factual would yes. be helpful. Yes. And also do not bring up the past. I mean, the past is done. You know, your your marriage is not I mean, unless you're, you know, both in agreement that you have things to talk through and, and heal from the marriage. 
um, if you both agree to do that and you're respectful, you can do that. But otherwise, don't talk about the past. You know, oh, he always, you know, would blame me for everything or she never, um, you know, put picked up the kids on time. You know, like you just don't talk about anything that happened in the past. Talk about present and future and um, the, talk about the facts talk about the present future, and then um, treat them as a co-worker. Co Those are the three big things that I say and that help people kind of, you know, communicate more respectfully. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you always need to respond to everything that is said? No, absolutely not. I mean, a lot of times the, you know, the texts or emails are going to be provocative. You know, they don't... Um, Maybe someone is angry and they just shoot off a text um, and, and and then, you know, you receive it and you respond angrily, you know, and, and it goes in a cycle, you know, and, and you can't, the only thing you can control is your response. So think before you respond. Um, if you're having trouble controlling your emotions, if you're on the phone or in front, you know, face to face, walk away, take some deep breaths, you know think about it, call a friend. And um, a lot of people use prayer to help them calm down and think through. Um, but don't, you don't have to respond um, to anything that's, that's provoking. And, you know, sometimes I think that if we just wait one day and then we respond, it's so much more effective. It truly is. It's, it is after you've thought about, well, I don't want to respond to that. I don't like that. And then you leave it alone. And then you, you said, okay, I do. I would like to respond to that because I'd like to keep communication open. I'd like to demonstrate that, you know, that we can always reach out to each other, whatever your reasons are. I think if you wait, uh, like I tell my clients, sleep on it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great bit of advice because, um, how many times do you type something into a text and then you're like erasing it, <laughs> you know, <Because laughs> Too many. that's not the best way to respond. So thinking it through and waiting is a great um, tool. And sometimes you don't don't need to respond. And that's probably the hardest thing is just keeping, you know, keeping cool, calm and collected. And, you know, it's hard. You've got to also I think you've got to be firm but fair. Right. And that's hard, you know, because when you've been hurt, when you've been with somebody, and I don't think it matters whether it's 10 years or 20 years. I mean, you feel like your sense of identity, a part of it has been stripped from you. You feel like you've lost something, even if you want it, even if you're the, you're the one that initiated it, it's still so hard to give up a, a chunk of your life. Yeah, I remember, you know, for a long time after the divorce, I was looking to my ex for approval still, <laughs> you know, I had to like get his approval on certain things. And then one day I just realized I don't need to do that, you know, anymore. I really don't. And it just was, it, it was so freeing. It was like, you are, you are not um, connected in the same way and you can have your own opinions and your own you know, decisions and your own life, except where it has to do with the kids, where you have to come to some agreement. But, you know, it, it is really a different relationship. And 
Um, it can be a very good relationship. I have a very good relationship with my ex right now, and it's better for everybody if you do. Um, but it's very different, you know, than the marital relationship. Well, the, as time goes on, does it get easier? Absolutely. Yeah. It's less raw. It, it's you heal, you forgive, you forgive yourself, you forgive them. And um, it gets much easier, much, much easier. The first few years for, for us were not were not great. <laughs> and then it got much easier. Um, but, you know, I always wanted to keep the children number one in my head. And so I was doing everything for them. And, you know, if you keep that um, focus, it's really helped for you to be able to kind of forgive and move on well you know forgiveness when you said that that struck a chord with me because I've worked with clients and they cannot forgive themselves they can forgive everybody else but they cannot forgive themselves and that's always just kind of been a challenge for me to understand well, we're our own worst critic, you know, and um, we have that that negative like I always say that our critical parent is so loud and our our forgiving parent is really soft. And we have to turn up the volume of our forgiving parent and turn down the volume of our critical parent. And um, it's very common to struggle with that. But once you you know, once you recognize that everybody makes mistakes and nobody's perfect and it's all okay. Um, I think you, you come a long way on the healing in the healing process. Well, what, what, what happens when another partner is brought in? Um, how does that impact the healing process? Well, it depends how they're brought in. You know, um, I've had a lot of clients who, you know, there was an affair and then, and then they got divorced and that's really hard. That's a whole nother, layer of betrayal that I think takes time to get over. Um, but you know, if it's after, you know, you got, you decided to get divorced, there's still a lot of pain there for the person who doesn't have the significant other. If, if both parties have a significant other, it's a little bit easier, but, um, I always say to wait, until you introduce anybody to your ch children, wait nine months to a year and a half until you know that this is a really serious relationship before you introduce anybody to children. So, um, you know, on your own time, you, you know, you can do whatever you want. And, um, but once you start introducing, um, that, that gets things much more complicated. <laughs> I would imagine that it does yeah. because, you know, when your child comes home and talks about, XYZ that has been at, at the house, you know, and you're, you don't know who XYZ is. Um, and you're worried about your child. You're, you, I'm very, I can remember when my kids were growing up being very concerned who spent qual, you know, inside time with my kids. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, but the, the bottom line is you don't really have much control. Um, if you're divorced and somebody brings in a significant other, you can't say yes or no. I mean, it would be nice if you had a relationship with them um, where they talk to you about it and they, you know, and you felt comfortable with the person. I know some parents have it in their agreement that they have to meet the person before they introduce them to the children. Um, you know, so you can put th things like that into your agreements. 
Um, but oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, most people don't do that, though, and, and then you really don't have control over it. What other things do people put into agreements? I really like that. <laughs> oh, you can put everything in your agreement. You can put, um, you know, what you have to get approval for, like the first right of the right of first refusal. Like if you are going to be away from your child during your parenting time for a certain amount of time, you you may have to ask the other parent if they um, can take the child before you get someone else to watch the child. So that's the right of first refusal. And that's a really good thing to put into your parenting plan, especially with younger children. Um, because, you know, if they can't be, if a parent can't be with the child, you would want to be with your child if you're available. Um, so, you know, there's lots of things like everything that you can imagine you can put in your agreement. I don't know that you need to put so much, but but think about what's important to you in your situation for your children. Um, and that's what you kind of um, try to put in. Not everybody will agree to everything. You, you have to get agreement on it. And some things, you know, will hold up you coming to agreement. So you don't want to you don't want to make it really complicated. Well, you know, I've heard you say several times, think about what's important to you. And I think that is so right on because what's important to your your mother or what's important to your neighbor, you know, doesn't really contribute anything. It's what is important to you. Right. Right. You're the parent. You're the one who gets to make the decisions. You know your children the best and you know what's best for your family. So um, you have to make those decisions and you know, it's good to get advice and guidance, but you're in the end, you're the one who knows the best. And yeah. it's um, it's it's important to take time to kind of process everything and write down your priorities and and go through them and go over them and think about them and put them away and then come back to them. Because, you know, I don't think any lawyer <laughs> that I know says to someone, write down your priorities. And and then we'll talk about them. You know, that's not how they work. And you ha you have to be able to do that in your divorce negotiations because you you need to know. I mean, I think everybody should think about their priorities, no matter if they're having a divorce or not, because if you just go through your life and kind of wing it, you won't you won't get what you want in the end. And you really want to be intentional about your life and how you're living it Um in divorce or not in divorce. It's Absolutely. And, and, you know, it sounds like that is really the first step to moving forward, that once you get clarity on where you want to go and you get a little more, you start to get comfortable with the change, that's how you start to move forward. Yeah. I mean, that is how you move forward. Also having hope for, a you know, a good life going forward. I think, a lot of people will go through this and say, oh, my life's ruined. I'm never going to have, you know, be happy again. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Um, you know, if you if you have hope that things can get better, um, that's a really good first step in moving forward. And, um, you know, I tell everybody I've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um, going through divorce. Everybody gets through it. and. And when you get through it, you have this opportunity to to really 
have the life that you've always wanted. And, and so many people do take advantage of that. And, um, and you get stuck in the divorce thinking that it's always going to be this way. And it's not, you, uh, you, you know, you have so much potential in, in the future. You know, I'm, I just got remarried in August and, um, I never thought I would be married again, you know, honestly, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, I think there's so much hope out there for, you know, so many people looking for people and, and wanting a good, um, future life. So if you have that attitude and you, um, you really commit to it, you can do it. Well, and I think it's just good for people to hear that, you know, you can do this. You will come out on top. Things will get better. All that positive self-talk, because we mentioned earlier, we certainly have enough of that negative chit-chat going in our brain, and we've got to stop it. It's a true fact. Every day, there's three times more positive events in our life than negative. But what does the brain remember? Yeah. The one negative and i mean that's the brain's job the brain you know has to protect us and and keeps us in that survival mode so you know you've given us a a lot of really really good advice and for people out there that are struggling with divorce how would they reach out to you what do you have to offer them so i um i have a bunch of different resources um i have um, a free Facebook group called separation and divorce support community. And, um, it's really supportive community. I also have a book that I, that the book you mentioned, I'm getting divorced now. What, um, everything is available on my website at, um, divorcecoachjill.com. And I also have a group coaching program where I work with people on all of these things that we talked about today and help them kind of craft their path through their divorce where they've got clarity and confidence and hope for the future. And, um, you know, it's called thriving through divorce. And that's the real goal is so that you thrive through your divorce and that you're not stuck in, um, you know, your emotions and and all the negative stuff. So um, there's tons of stuff. I also have like lots of um, free resources on my um, website and, and in the Facebook group. And, um, if, if anybody, um, is interested in speaking to me, I offer a free consultation also. And what was the website again? Divorcecoachjill.com. Divorcecoachjill.com. Well, I think that's good to know because, you know, you, you've talked us through how you, how you get started, how you let go of the past, how you clarify your goals how you avoid those big mistakes that we all tend to make. Um, and you have knowledge on co-parenting with your ex and, and moving forward. And I think just knowing that there's a process, you know, there's steps that you're going to take. And each time you, you take one successfully, it gives you the confidence about the next one. And it lets you know that you're going to come back bigger and better and stronger And it lets you know that your kids are going to be just fine. They're going to be loved and nurtured and cared for. And I know as a mom, that's always, my kids are fully grown, but that's always been my top priority. So I thank you, Jill, so much for being with me today. And again, for any of you that are thinking about divorce, remember this. 
the website, Jill? Divorcecoachjill.com. Yep. Thank you, Lee. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, 